Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. place is filthy i did everything i set up everything cameras lights paid for everything and you just waltz in here five minutes late so uh, put your headphones on i think your please. girlfriend didn't clean the house hannah you are obviously <laughs> have an issue with my girlfriend no no not at all it's just the house yeah, is yes at so all dirty it's the not it's not dirty no it's not <laughs> So no, it's not the, the the the. Sorry, Ross. Uh, actually, well, we Ross, we should give you an introduction. Comedian from Cork, radio personality, TV star, writer, everything. Sorry, Jack. I'm cleaning as I'm introducing. It's a new fucking. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm so annoyed by his success. TV star, fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wrote a book. Yes. Go on, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to And That's Why We're Not Together, starring David McSavage, Hannah Andrews, and TV star, author, uh, loads of other things, Ross Brown! (laughs) What were you saying, Hannah, about Ross's book? Uh, Well, I just saw that he wrote a book, and uh, the plot is really intriguing. Oh, which what book is this? Oh, it was more than one book. Oh, they're shit. I wrote books back. I wrote two books and they were fucking awful. Both of them? But the I, one I, we, uh, I read the, the plot, it was that the guy comes back to Ireland. He's yeah. a New Yorker coming back, inherits yeah. a bookshop mm-hmm. and uh, find out mystery behind the whole thing. Yeah, I... I Can you turn off my headphones? Sorry, Ross. My sons are really annoying me. Okay, a little bit. That's a bit too much. But well, just saying, who doesn't annoy you? Yeah, just, just can you turn can it you down a little bit, Jack? Point one turn person who doesn't annoy you. Turn it down a little Let bit. Let me guess. Is that your girlfriend? Oh Christ! Can you turn it down a little bit? Yeah. You don't know which which is which, do you? He's, he's switching, fiddling. Is it good? Now? Honest to God, is it like I mean, this generation are <laughs> fucking useless. Flakes. They're flakes. Am I the same generation? No, you're no. be. You're be. Me as them. Can no, you turn you're... it up a bit, Jack? Sorry, Jack. 
You don't know which is which, do you? No. No. Jack, that's too high. He's on TikTok. Now. But okay, so can can you just cut be, cut to where Jack, what Jack is doing now? Jack doesn't <laughs> fucking know yeah, which, which button which, which one corresponds to our headphones. Yeah. And we've been here for one year. A year. A year we've yeah, been doing this. You change it up all the time. And now he's putting echo. <laughs> Why are you putting fucking echo, Jack? Ah, Jack. I do know what I'm doing. Do I... it, do it, do it, do it. Jack. <laughs> Jack. He's improvising. Daniel, yeah. are we switching? I mean, Jack. I think it's good to improvise. Whenever I'm asked to do a job, I always say yes. Okay. And doesn't matter if I know it or not, because there's always a fraction of time you can Google it up or find out. You know, out can I just tell you, right, there's some some uh, tribes in certain parts of the world that have not been contacted, Jack. And do you know how they live? Hunter-gatherers. And they have skills. I wish I was there right now. <laughs> I'll yeah. pay for the ticket, you cheeky little pop. Please do. You little scot. So I don't have uh, to pretend to. But David, that's actually Jack. You don't know your son. This is Jack's ultimate dream to live by the lake in a hut and hunt and fish and kill the bears. Well, he's going to live in a van down by the river if he doesn't sort his stuff out. Don't don't, like, don't visit me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be happier in the van down by the river. I'll be turning on the wrong cookers and I'll be like, no one's uh, criticizing me for this. <laughs> yeah, dribbling on yourself. Yeah, and I'll be happy. I'll be content. No, no one can see it. You know, you can do all those dirty things. I don't, I don't think provided. he's looking around to find something else. He's like, no, I'm just because, uh, because uh, you know, you know, I, like I do every, like how have I set this up? And these, and okay, no, I shouldn't be too critical. Okay, sorry, this, uh, sorry. Hannah, you were asking Ross about his yeah, no, I, I was thinking that the uh, plot of the book mm. seemed... I've never read the book, so I, I can't say. <laughs> you know but uh, the plot was, was interesting. The plot was Promise, yeah. premise, it's, 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 it's interesting, it's good. Pre premise was good, but I used that as like... That was my first kind of going, I wonder can I write, you know, a book? And then I accidentally self-published it, and I should have actually just banked it, because the stuff I've written since then, I'm proud of but I've never uh, published. Sorry, can I just, sorry, Ross. Ross's uh, mic doesn't sound right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Is, is that the, is that microphone there working? No, that one. Yeah, that's on. Maybe. Maybe oh, you, no, wait a second. How come that's on, Jack? Wait, wait, wait. That one is not. Is You're just too, you have, yeah, Hannah. Your mic's not on, I don't think. So, so Ross's oh. fucking mic is not on. Yeah, well, you put the fucking microphone there. Okay. You know, you okay. say you say you're setting this whole thing up like brilliantly, and, and you're the one who put the fucking microphone. No, 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 don't, don't. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Boom. See, he's uh, he, he's accustomed to all the radio equipment. He's been doing. How long have you been doing radio? Go on. <laughs> Four years. <laughs> oh, now I can hear myself. I should have fucking caught that. I'm on the radio. Yeah, much better. So it wasn't the knob twisting was uh, the problem. Okay, guys. Um, <laughs> Can we, you know, you, you waltzed in here, you, Jack and Daniel, five minutes late. Can you at least come in here about 15 minutes so we can sort the fucking yes. sound out? Usually it's, it's the guests are never on time. So there's... It's my fault. It's my fault, guys. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what happened. I, I, was, I was ready to go. Hannah was late. And I get all the flack for it, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm like David's punching bag. So go on, right. I, I do Jack, well. I love you, and I, I, I feel I want you to be in a safe space where I can punch you. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> but fine, I, it's, fine. it's with my loving embrace. Yeah, so. but you know, it's fine because your punches—they don't really feel like anything, you know. Ooh. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> 
Can you honestly, would you get that fucking water bottle out of my life? No, 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 Fuck I need me. it. I need Fuck it. Me. This fucking thing. Jesus And that's Christ. why they're not together. <laughs> Every time I look down, there's a fucking landmine in the shape of a fucking water bottle. And it's always in the fucking up my ass. Do you know that you have to do <coughs> what? one and a half litre water a day, at least? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Uh, do you? You have to. Well, you should. Why do you, when you start talking about nutritional things, do you t like suddenly look like you're a living god? <laughs> Did you know that you da 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 have to drink a liter of fucking water? A liter and a half. I'm so angry, Ross. I'm so sorry. You have to see this. <laughs> it's this show's been brought to you by Luke's side. Okay. No. Uh, actually, one of our comments said that uh, David's much calmer when he's not drinking Lucas. Like, it's so <laughs> okay. I think this is a, it's a good. Uh, I love I love the deflection. I love the multiple rounds of deflection. It's like no, it's Hannah's fault. No, it's the Lucas age. No, it's the water bottle. No, it's I was too early. <laughs> hey, um, Ross, how come? What was the motivation to write these books? Uh, you crazy man! Writing scripts all along. That was kind of me going, okay, I'd like to write a comedy series. I'd like to write a movie, and then they just felt so regimented that I was like, you know, the scripts have a very tight format that it's there's no kind of room for flowery language there's no room for kind of self-indulgence <coughs> so I just went oh, fuck it I'll just start writing something and then as I did story revealed itself and I went okay I really like this so those first two books I think I just kind of went oh this is great I can do this and now looking back in retrospect I'm like they were shit but the stuff that I'd written then subsequently two other books those ones I'm kind of going okay I'm proud of them so I'm kind of like hedging my time going I would like to get them in front of the right people because I think they are genuinely good books and did you uh, did you study or did you do some kind of uh course or no. degree you just jumped no. right into it yeah but, but did just you write. not do research research no, i did research on the topics that i was writing on but, but research I, in terms of <clears throat> structure of <laughs> no. architecture Ar literary architectural <laughs> references like that's the thing i was name dropping earlier on because uh martin mcdonough <laughs> go on jesus jack I mean, well, like, you, you get back in my good books and then maybe I'll, I'll do your sound effects. Is he smoking? Is he sm <laughs> no, no, uh, yeah, no, no, uh, I shouldn't. Uh, we shouldn't mention. Uh, is he? We shouldn't. Uh, uh, we shouldn't try to undermine our own sons, for Christ's sake. Wait, we are. All of a sudden, we I'm not undermining Jack. You okay, are. I'm going to cut that out, Jack. <laughs> don't, don't cut out anything. I don't care. What, what are you, you do? See, I care. You know, you just you're just trying to build character in Jack. So he's like resilient. Because he's, he's going to be knocked down. Anyway, look, uh, so I, I know this guy, Martin McDonough, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, you know, we know him and he's kind of affable and goofy and silly and fun. But there's this other section of his brain that he's able to write these stories that have this kind of, uh, for use of a better word, structure. And they have they, they, they follow that kind of three act carry yeah. on. And, and, and they have all these sort of literary references. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know that make uh, people who are literary kind of go. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I see what you did there. I see Sorry, what clever. you did there. You know, well, on in his uh, film, uh, the B three Banshe banshees of Inish Aaron, three banshees beside a billboard, <laughs> having a fucking smoke with the lieutenant of Inish man, with three banshees of Inish Aaron, and uh, so your man Colin Farrell uh, or or uh, Brendan Gleeson wanted to break it off with Colin Farrell, mm. and then. Over on the island, you know, Ireland was separating from the UK and there was that kind of dichotomy or whatever. Duality. Duality. Mm. Mm. 
thematic but duality. Those levels of understanding for a simple you, person like me, I might just see it as it is. Yes. But it, you probably see well, I mean, layers. I think as well, like even if we're like if we're doing stand up or you know, if you're writing something or you're, you're presenting something, if it's something on TV or something on stage, people are di- digesting it on different levels. You'll p- have people that are going, oh, I see what Dave did there. Yeah. That's very clever. You'll have other people going, <laughs> he made funny sounds and he moved. Mm. They're yeah. all getting their own thing out of it. So it's kind of mm. like, you know, there's some, they'll get what they want to get out of it. And that's up to them digesting I wonder. It. I wonder the people who go, he made funny sounds and he moved. Are they, would they more like, are they more likely to buy tickets? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's yeah, make Because the ones sort of, that yeah. got it are yeah. like, I'll stay at home and read a book and spend yeah. no money. Yeah. So, well, that's pretty, uh, you know, people think about writing a book. Well, to me, the classic definition of an Irish writer is um, somebody who believes they have a great work of, of, of liter- literature inside them, but never publish it. Because, yeah. and, and, but that, that belief sustains them until they die. Until yeah, they die. That's, that's one of my fears, is to well, you haven't, have it and never, like it was sitting in a drawer for, or on a laptop for the last seven years. Yeah, now. but you've broken the mould, Ross, is what I'm saying. But maybe from, from, doing, from those experiences, you had to go through that to get to... Oh, I had the, to put the, out but, something shit so that I could then go, okay, well, that's not good enough. Now I know what is better. So it's kind of like, but I did it in a... In but a, it takes uh, balls to, to put put it out there. Yeah. W- w- was there a moment when you put it out? Like, was there one moment where you think, oh, who's that cat? Who's that cat? You have, a, you have a cat, remember? remember you? Do you want to let her fucking in there? No, it's okay. Okay, just let her meow. Uh, was there a moment, like, or was it just... Like, when did you realize, okay, this isn't up to, this isn't match fit, this isn't good enough for what I... When I started writing better. So when I'd, when I'd probably got halfway to three quarters of the way through uh, Diary of a Vagrant, which is the one I haven't actually shown to anyone, that's when I went, what the fuck is this stuff that I was putting out there? Diary of a, Diarrhea of a Vagrant (laughs) sounds interesting. It's kind of a... It, you know, it's like down and out. It reminds me of that thing. It, it, what, yeah. was it, what was your man? It's a homeless guy in San Francisco. Okay. And he thinks he's, he's lost his mind, but he thinks he's <laughs> physically lost it. So he's looking for it. Uh, and he can't, he can only speak 16 words. He can write everything, but can only speak 16 words. And he's obviously got trauma and PTSD and all these things. He doesn't know what it is. And he bumps into this woman. He sees this woman that he becomes obsessed with, or another homeless woman. And it's basically about him trying to ingratiate himself to her. And then through trying to kind of like win her over and woo her ends up kind of fixing and kind of unraveling some of the things that he can't remember. Oh, that's uh, that sounds uh, that's really uh, well. Well, there you go. That's exactly what I was talking about, that structure and then all the references to what's happening today and social Mm. and political comments about like the homelessness. And is it is San Francisco or is it California where people can pitch up outside people's houses and they're not being moved along? Yeah, it's Skid very, Row, they're just leaving them too. It's, like Skid it's a Row very just, strange uh, situation. Yeah. They're not, uh, it was like that in New York uh, in the late or, or late 70s, uh, 70s and 80s. And they just had homeless people. Well, very mentally ill people yeah. just wandering around and addiction and so on. Yeah. And then I think Giuliani came in or Dinkins and, and s- sort of, I don't know how, where he put those people or how, where they went. Yeah, they, to be honest with you, they probably just pushed them out further and further from New York because yeah. they were trying to like gentrify it, do you know? Right. With the Diary of a Vagrant as well, it's, he's totally isolated because he can't speak. So everything that he thinks, everything that, 
everything that he wants to communicate, he writes down. So it's on empty cigarette cartons, it's on slips of paper. So he's just got these little concertos of little slips of paper. So the whole thing is written. It's been sequentially ordered, but it's all these random thoughts mm. and musings mm. and the story is made up of all that. So it's all from his perspective. He hallucinates. Sometimes you don't know if something is a hallucination or not. So it kind of blurs that line then between what's really happening to him or is he having a moment or an episode as well, you know. So Whatever you do, don't get fucking Donald Gleeson to play it. I mean, you'd be perfect. <laughs> Just don't We'd get... We'd save on costume. No, no, yeah. uh, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I am going I'm, for the posh vagrant look. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that would cost a lot, a lot of money. So, so the most expensive vagrant look possible. Yeah, bougie, bougie homeless. Mm. Yeah, what do you think of like the kind of male tights with shorts on top of it? I was look. I only saw that when we got back from the shop, and I was like, we were in the shop like that, were we? No, to be fair, I look like something out of the fucking Muppets. I do like the shoes as well. Yeah, the slippers, the slippers, hybrid. I think only you, uh, a homeless person, or Kanye West could pull that off. I think yeah. Kanye West, leave Kanye West alone, will you? For Christ's sake. <laughs> Is we that, all love Kanye West. Is that how low you think of yourself that when I compare you to Kanye West, you say Jack? This Kanye is West he's well? he's having a go at me now because because okay, because yeah, 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 he I'm wouldn't just... turn. He couldn't figure out which button. David, I'm not on oh. your It's side. like having a little chimpanzee I'm over there, and it's side, like which David. button is it? <laughs> ah, 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 ah. And then after a trial and error, like yeah. an hour later, he figures it out. At least he does. Well, 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 you know, remember all the time you dropped me on my head. You know, oh, it's Jesus not my fault. Here we go. <laughs> Can you let that? Like you got to take a little bit of responsibility. There it is. She's just there, but I don't think she wants okay, to Okay, well, just, just okay, afraid. okay, good. Just leave it. Don't close the door so she can push it open. I'm so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that you have Ross, to I have a question. <laughs> so, uh, what what gave you the uh, inspiration for the uh, vagrant? Um, I like the idea of somebody being stuck inside their own head, and it's like. Everything that we, everything that you say has already gone through a filter because you're putting it out there and you're, you know, you're going to be judged. So everything everyone says is kind of like has already gone through that kind of conscious uh, filter. Whereas if he's just writing it down and he knows it's only for him, then it's complete pure thought. Then it's there's, you know, the shame is the shame is in there. The, you know, the um, what would you say? The honesty is there. On the page it's then. a great way of examining uh looking at human the hu human condition mm -hmm. it, it, you know in, in this kind of really weird way it kind of um makes it it it, it, it it's like it creates reality better than re i mean it just makes us understand ourselves in a better way and also if you're looking at if you're looking at a movie or something that's about a homeless person or any bit of art that's about a homeless person a lot of it is done voyeuristically you know, so it's done from our perspective, looking at, oh, the poor homeless man, that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's all oh, he's down and out. Whereas if it's done from his perspective, looking up to the people that he thinks are fucking morons because they're running around from glass building to glass building and drinking their macchiatos. Mm. But then he's also looking down at other homeless people that he thinks he's better than. So yeah, you're seeing this. Yeah. this I love thing. I love that. Uh, and, um, well, it's not. Well, the point I just saw the lobster, the lobster again. I hadn't seen it. Do you remember the lobster? Did you see the no. lobster? But, uh, you know, it's a bonkers premise, but it, it kind of shows it's, it's hard to explain, like, like, uh, you know, s surreal stuff like uh, it c can somehow hold a mirror to what we're like in a better way. It, it makes really good social commentary. Yeah. That's why parody works so well as well, because right. if you're parodying something that's serious, you have to show it in a real in a 
unrealistic and ridiculous light to show how ridiculous the actual right. thing is in its first place. And you can kind of get away with dealing with hot button issues yeah. uh, in, in calling it satire, parody, yeah. irony or whatever. Same as nursery, not, not even not nursery rhymes, but like, like you know, fairy tales. A right. lot of them dealt with those issues, but yes. then they, you know, they packaged it up with like a, a big bad wolf or, you know, an evil witch or whatever. But a lot of those had social commentaries and lessons in them as well. So it's yeah. been done for fucking years. But they seem to be, they, they seem nowadays, they seem to be cleansing them a bit and they're not as scary. Yeah, they're diluting them a lot. I thought, yeah. but I think kids nobody love it. Nobody kills anyone. Yeah, nobody right. Or nobody eats yeah. anyone. Legs. Nobody, you know. Hans, yeah. Hans and Gretel don't follow the breadcrumbs because they're like, are they gluten free? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I would just wonder, you know, you writing from the homeless vagrant perspective. How do you uh, how do you do it? So have you ever had some sort of close experience to hallucination seeing, you know, like it's it's a huge taking on mm-hmm. to be honest, authentic. And did you talk to them or? Did uh, I did. Uh, I sat with a couple of guys uh, after doing gigs in Dublin. A couple of nights I went and sat with guys for the majority of the night and just sat and not asking them any questions, just literally just mm-hmm. sitting with them and just feeling like, okay, this is what it's like. This is what the concrete feels when you're freezing cold. This is what it's, you know, this is what the wind chill is like sitting on O'Connell Bridge or whatever. But the majority of it really is just kind of going, how would I react in this situation? Mm-hmm. How would I react if I thought I was normal or I thought that I was the only sane one if I wasn't? So it's, it's very much kind of if you kind of boil it down to he's just a he's just a guy he's just a man then you're not looking at it again from the outside looking in because mm. the more I learned about his situation or whatever I think it's better off to just kind of try and put yourself in and then look outwards because then you're going to go well this is honest for me because this is what I would think if I was in that situation you know but my god talk about um, you know so living rough it's one thing living rough if you're in a forest there's nobody around mm-hmm. you can't you do, there's no contrast between your situation and everyone else's yeah but like being in the city and you know seeing everybody going into their homes and the, the warm glow of lights from houses and you're I mean people who are already vulnerable I mean talk about it, it must really fuck with their heads yeah. their self esteem their self sense of self worth on drugs constantly yeah. yeah yeah I mean as well I, I was in LA about four or five years ago and even just on the way to the airport you're pulling into the into the gas station and coming out of the out of the petrol station was like this massive mirrored Lamborghini pulling out and right beside where it was pulling out just waiting to indicate to turn there was a woman lying on a piece of cardboard probably two, three o'clock in the afternoon, no shoes on, just like, and you're kind of going, the the, the, mm-hmm. the kind of, I suppose the, 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 the wealth right next to the severe poverty, you're mm. kind of going, this is fucking perverse. Like, and it, you can't expect people with money to then be like, well, then we all just won't get our Lambos. Do you know? But it's mm. kind of like, you're kind of going, okay, this is, it's obviously systemic, do you know? But you're looking at it going like, you know, these two things do, Co, you know, mm. coalesce at the same time. You know, um, one time I was in where was I uh, back in 1989 in New York, and I was uh, commuting between Brooklyn and Staten Island. You know, and I was working in construction site, fucking miserable. You know, geez, up at six in the morning, and I was standing in some tube or underground station, and a woman, and you know, she she just looked like she slept rough, and she just looked rough, and she was just standing there, and she was looking at me. And you just hear this trickle, and she's just pissing, standing up, and while looking at me, and it, it was just so. I, well, I was only twenty-one at the time, but it was very uh, frightening. Yeah, uh, just to see where, you know, how, how 
she'd got to this point where she's just standing in in clothes that she doesn't wash. I often just, get she just pisses on herself. Mm, I I often get um like this massive pang of anxiety. This is like a recurring thing that I have, and it's if I pass somebody homeless. Before I ever wrote the book, right? it's probably why I was kind of drawn to it is that I'll pass them and I'll go, how many, how many wrong decisions am I away or how many even bouts of misfortune am I away from possibly ending up with that? And it genuinely scares me that I kind of go like, if this went wrong, that went wrong and that went wrong, then could I end up there? Yeah. Like, you know? But also, sorry, if that happened to me now, I'd say, can I assist you in any way? I'd get so you know what I mean like yeah. I was a young kid and I was scared and I didn't know what the fuck I'd never yeah. seen anything like that just to see somebody stand still and you and then you can hear the piss and you oh, Jesus mm. Christ. but anyway now I would have I'd handle it differently I, 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 I find it interesting I'm, I'm not having a go at you here although you might think but you know you say you'd help the person but like would you actually help the person because that's that's another thing about homelessness is it's such a frequent thing but because there is a certain amount of choice involved when it comes to drugs. Like most people have a view of homelessness as like, well, they don't really want help. And most people, you know, we all do. We all I know what you mean. Ja- I know what day. you mean, Jack. But but I think in that situation where this woman is in such abject, dire situation. Uh, yeah. But uh, w- sorry, I'd, I'd like to think I'd I'd, be, I'd offer or I'd, I don't know what. what yeah, you're right. What what. What do you do? Do you yeah, well, who do you contact? Well, because well, I had a I had a kind of experience recently where I was so I was in town and I was going for the bus, and this woman comes up to me and she's obviously on a lot of drugs and whatever, but she's going up to me. She's ah oh, my leg, my leg, and she's giving out about her leg. She's saying I think it's broken and she's walking on it. So obviously it's not broken, but I don't know. So she's like, can you help me across the street? So. I'm helping her across the street and you know I see my bus coming and it's gone and I'm thinking all right well, whatever so I, I help her across the street and then uh she's like saying can you walk me down to the uh to the like wherever the center is the homeless fo- and she's here today <laughs> <laughs> focus Ireland center yeah she she scrubs up well eh? <laughs> it was only a hairline fracture but uh uh so i go and then we're walking across i'm asking her how far is it she's like it's only down the road and then she's like ah she's like screaming in pain i'm thinking what the hell's going on so i'm like oh, are you okay she's like call me an ambulance so i'm like thinking jesus so i call the ambulance and i'm t- telling her telling them the situation they're asking me a lot of questions and I'm saying, but I'm also kind of saying, I'm not going to be charged for this. I mean, you know, charged? Yeah, yeah, because I don't know, because I know if you call an ambulance, if you take it, it's like 500 quid. When but was this, by the way? This is like a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. Jesus Christ. And, uh, Why she, didn't you tell me about she's this? Sit, she, she's sitting on the wall and then her friend comes up, right? And I'm like, I did. And I call the ambulance and I tell them and the ambulance is like, listen, we don't know how long it's going to take. Might be like an hour, two hours. And it's like, well, she's going to, you know. So I'm just saying, I don't know if I can wait an hour or two. Her friend comes up and he's like, oh, what's wrong with her? And I'm like, you stay here now. I've got to go. That's your friend. And he's like, oh, no, no, I can't stay here. I can't stay here. Yeah. And then it's like, in that situation, I don't know. I got the bus eventually. Like, I'm not going to lie and say I waited for, with her for an hour or two. I said, listen, the ambulance are going to come. you got to wait here. The ambulance calls me up an hour and a half later. And they're like, yeah, she should be there. And they're like, she's not there. Well, you know, what can you do? Because, you know, I think that... Obviously, it's nice that you help her, but the help centers that should be somewhere in the city where they come in and getting better and because it takes time. But there was uh, apparently there was this project in the States that they 
gay women, those four women, uh, I think was actually specifically for black women who are quite poor and they living from, um, you know, month to month and they're getting paid. So they gave them just extra money. So it turned out that giving the extra money propelled or made some of the women and quite bigger percentage to better their lives. So mm-hmm. get a better place or um, come from homelessness, move into the place. So I, I think it's good that we're helping, but like it has to be organized. Yeah, it's coming from the, like a lot of it's coming from the bottom up rather than the top down. Yeah. So you're kind of going to systemically broken. You know, it's the, the, the you know, the support systems are, aren't going to be funded properly, aren't coming trickling down to the people mm. properly. Mental health is massively mm. a problem with, like I'd say, 80 to 90% yeah. of people that find themselves home. There's obviously trauma and stuff there that those people aren't able to deal with. So then they're going to fall into those cyclical things of drug abuse and alcoholism and obviously trying to numb the situation that they're in. And then from that not being able to be rectified, then you have people like, you know, um, volunteer groups. Like there's, there's a group that go around in Cork and they literally just set up stalls every single night of the week and they literally just feed people on the street. Yeah. Do you know, and you're kind of going, they're doing it out of their own time Fund, you know, funding their own money, cooking their own food, but they're not getting government. So it's not coming down; it's only going up. And you're kind of going, that can't, that can't, that yeah. that isn't going to sustain. And like. that feed, you know, it has to be more systemic. It should be help. You know, try give them a safe. Well, yeah. Place what what you come. want, what you want is to um, to sort of light a fire inside the people. But how do you do well, it? Well, well, actually, help. as you're saying that, I'm thinking. Well, the best country for that sort of stuff is Denmark, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, you know, they just like if you judge a country by how they look after people who are vulnerable and in need, like Denmark is one of the best countries. But I'm thinking like you're saying, you know, you pour money. Well, what does that mean? You, it just money. But where does it go? Who does it go to? Who's it? And I think it's almost like for for people who are homeless or who have been homeless for a long time or I, I don't know what their situation or what their mental state is, but it's almost like, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, you know, you want to, you want to, you know, get away from alcohol and start living a meaningful existence. You get a sponsor. So it's almost like a homeless person should get a sponsor or sort of some sort of life coach that like almost like stabilizers on a bike just day to day to day. But I mean, it's hugely, um, I, I, I don't think people are willing to make that kind of investment no. you know so i think it people just kind of send money to these agencies i don't know i don't think most people i don't really know what the agency uh, what services they provide to homeless people and i think what they're doing is they're just trying to i think they're just trying to tread water and yeah. and and, yeah. and keep the fire at bay they're not kind of going there's not enough to go okay this is going to fix the problem or at right. least make headway so that the next generation or those people's kids or you know someone who's in their late teens early 20s isn't going to end up in that situation they're just going let's find a bed for this guy tonight so it's containment really yeah, it's rather containment. Than, than like like getting in and there's no dirty ho- with it's hope the- like it's hopelessness i think is a massive thing because there's people that are working in this country mm. that are you know they've got they've got a mortgage and they've got kids and on the surface they've got all the things that everybody should aspire to attain they've got their two cars those people have no like there's a lot of people that are feeling hopeless in that situation mm. again treading water so if they're hopeless then how the fuck is somebody who's living on the street supposed to have any hope and if you've no hope then that's the fastest way to give up which is to go I'm stuck where I am, like, do you know? Yeah, a lot of people are stuck in this situation. Yeah. You've really, you've well, really well I, I just uh, looked up Finland and Japan uh, handle homelessness the best, apparently, and the, the main thing for them seems to be 
you know, in Finland, at least 25% of housing in a city must be affordable social housing. Yes. So it just yes. makes Well, that's makes another it, thing, you know. actually. Yeah, but then I those constant fucking government are going to be like, we're not going to give out 25% well, uh, of social I, it's, housing. It's not constant government. It's constant. Developers. It's, it's constant every, all around. Everyone yeah. has an but extra David, house. What, Hannah? I'm saying, look, look at, in this, in this house, in this street, in this street. I've started, so I didn't talk when you talked. Okay. I just want to have a drink, so I don't want to look as I, but I... Uh, Hannah, what I'm saying is, in every street, there's abandoned houses, or there's a house mm. standing with nobody in it, because some fucking uh, family are waiting for the, the housing price to go up, right? And all that crap. Well, that's that's Irish entrepreneurship, you know, that's as far as it reaches with a lot of people. They just hang on to a house and hope it goes up and then mm. rent it out and divide it into six fucking spaces and rent it out to Ukrainians or whatever the fuck it is. And uh, it's pathetic. Um, there should be affordable housing. Is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. but, th- but that's there is government. And I mean, it should policies. be it should be government mandated. Go- you know, government policies who are just supporting people. You know, the oh, you, giving... you you think the government have their hand in it as well? So it's yes, detrimental. So oh yeah, and also they, they won't support. get reelected. Yeah, and they're developers, and they're yeah. probably you know you, e- know you know everyone's fucking bothering each other's they bread. They're enabling vulture fans to buy in front of normal people. They're giving them green light. You know, I'm not that knowledgeable, but I know that the policies are completely wrong. Even if you're looking at landlords that are renting out places and they're renting out houses for exorbitant rent, you're going, there should be something in there that says that if you have a house that is valued at 300,000, you can only rent it and it's capped at this much. And yes. if your house is worth 500,000, yes. yes, you can rent it out for more. But yes. you're someone that's got a fucking bed set and they're going, oh, it's fucking 1,200 a month for one bed next to a fucking sink. Yeah, you shouldn't be making, it shouldn't be a fucking business opportunity when students and we've said this before students for Christ's sake desperate for a place because they're going to and they're the future and you're sort of cashing in or taking advantage of that desperation yeah. to, uh, for a place to live yeah it's so right like why but but are the, I don't know who would be against that kind of policy I mean uh, like, someone that doesn't have skin in the game do you know Someone that doesn't have skin in the game, which which again lends itself against the normal kind of party th- politics system, because everyone's kind of going, you have to play the game, you have to grease yeah. the wheels, and you have to make sure that you're in with these people to, in order to get favourable fucking positions and stuff. So the whole, I think the whole thing is fucking. I think it's it's just non-conducive to mm. progress. But I think most people, most people would be for that exactly. I like that idea. Of like if a house is worth that amount, you can't charge X amount. Yeah above what the market value of your house is. So the politician would say, oh, this is stop the free market, you know? Because, like, uh, uh, I was talking to a mate, another comedian, and he's living in this house, and it's like, what is he playing? Two grand or something. And uh, it's a tiny little place. No, it's insane. It's insane. You open, you remember when we, me and Daniel were looking at uh, apartments to rent. You know, you, you, oh, you know, yes. it's a bed seat. So it's a kitchen and a couch. You open the couch and his feet are actually in the oven because it's so small. No, Hannah, his feet are, feet, the, feet are in the kitchen. Yeah. No, in the, the oven, kitchen. it's just like you should open yeah, yeah. the oven and put your feet in there and warm <laughs> it up. And it's just like, no, a but, new but that's invention. right. Because I, I, uh, I was with Daniel when we were looking at different places, and it's literally like imposing depression on people. Yeah. These really little, shitty little boxy rooms in these big, giant houses, and they're divided up into shared it's, bathrooms. It's, it's, such, a, it's such an old racket. Mm. But then again, you know. I don't know. Is, is it a racket? If you had a big house, would Apparently. you? Would you? I don't listen. Can I just say, 
I don't think I would do that. If I had a big house like that, I wouldn't look at it as a money making opportunity to try and, you know, scrabble. And like I'd make it in a place that I'd be proud of and that I'd want the people to enjoy living there. Yeah, I'd, I'd be embarrassed. Definitely. If it wasn't like that, you want, I mean, you want to make money, but you no, don't want to. No, I don't want to. I just well, you've got you, the money yeah. is the fucking value of the fucking house. But there's these little cunty little guys. I think there are a lot of vulture fans that are even worse. I can't stand. It. You know, anyone that's making money, I think from des- out of death. But if desperation is their fucking product, yeah. that they're making money. Desperation out of, like, is their product. <sighs> yeah, fucking hell. Do you know? You kind of you make it on your level, or yeah. you uh, you aspire to make it above you and take yeah. some, you know, pull some down to you or whoever. But if you're taking it, from I'm just you, trying to think. As you're yeah. saying that, I'm just trying to think. Are 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 we making money by selling tickets? Are people desperate? <laughs> no, we're just giving them the opportunity for joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we 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 first met in uh, I think it was City Limits. Uh, Properly in city yeah, limits, yeah. We've, we've obviously like we you know we were on the on the stairs of the international, you oh, know, yeah. and gigs like that and stuff. But I think the first time we ever properly, you know, chatted and stuff and got to know each other was probably city limits. Yeah, yeah the international bar, if people don't know. I mean, it was started by Kevin Gildee, Barry Murphy, and Ardell O'Hanlon. Mr. Trellis, yeah, Mr. Trellis. I think it was started back in the early eighties, eighty six, eighty eight. I think. Yeah, and they called it the Cellar. Mm. I think it ran ran one night a week. And then I think, well, at some point, Des took it over and then Aiden took it over. Yeah. And now um, Simon O'Keefe is running it and he sometimes gives me gigs. <laughs> no, it was funny. Uh, apparently, who was telling me? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, what, what's his name? Martin, Martin, Angola. Martin Angola was saying I was bitching about Simon not giving me gigs on the last one laughing, which is this global TV show. And I'm seeing it. I watched it all. Huh? I watched it all. Well, me and Hannah watched it and she said, I'm embarrassed for you. I fucking loved it. Oh, I don't know about that. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I watched, I watched the Canadian one, which yeah. was fantastic. You got like Tom Green was on there and Colin Mockery and some greats on there. Yeah. I watched the Australian one. I wasn't mad on that. And then obviously I watched the Irish one because I knew, you know, a good few people on it. Mm. And uh, I thought you did great. I thought uh-huh. you did great with the, you eating cereal out of your pocket just fucking. Yeah, but I mean. I, me. And I was putting myself in yeah. there going, dude, I think you'd, I was like, you'd got me. Tony Cantwell would have got me. Yeah, uh, Jason would have got me like a hundred. Deirdre would have got me as well. But I don't know what it is about Deirdre, even on a one to one level, that I'm kind of like she's the type of person that would just look in your eyes and you go, "Ah, oh, yeah, fuck." Yeah, God. no, Deirdre has that look. She presents herself as if she's quite quite normal, but she's not normal. There's at development. All. She's mental. Yeah, uh, she's quite dirty as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we met. We, I mean, that, that's a pity because that club, City Limits. Is it's a it's a I I used to like playing in that club, but I fell out with. I don't know. Is it cool to talk about that? No, do you really want to? No. Do I not? Just another place you fell out with. Yeah, yeah. It's just a long. It's just a, a <laughs> people. A, people love hearing it. Do know? they? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going through the list. <laughs> the, the, the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, you know, um, no, no, this carry on and, and you know, you get, you get it a lot. Now, I, I don't want you to get into trouble, but, you know, uh, organizers and bookers, oh, you can't play there if, you, if you're playing my club. Would you fuck off? Yeah. Like who? Who, well, who honest, are you? Who are you? Like that? You think you have the power to control this? And you know, I I, I think people it corrupts them. You know, I think the I think the power is back in the <coughs> I think the power is in the comedian hands more so than ever. Like we were talking earlier about social media and stuff, and that there are there are less and less gatekeepers now. Yeah, and as well because a lot of comedians are running the clubs now, or people that are very closely connected to to the actual doing of comedy, rather than somebody who's like a businessman who just happens to go, oh, there's a gap in the market, I'll set up a club here. So I think now the, the, the lines between the gatekeeper or the person who's behind the desk and the comedians is a lot more blurred. So I think I think now the comedians kind of have more choice than they used to have. Whereas back in the day, it was like, please, sir, can I have a gig? I mm. promise that, you know. Oh, was, oh, you mean uh, the, 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 the because we can, we don't need to... Um, Go through the the well worn path. Yeah, we've autonomy of, now. Yeah, uh, creating, get uh, getting an audience for ourselves. I think I went. I think I went my own path a little bit to my detriment. To be honest with you, like I I do feel slightly kind of. Oh yeah, you did because you did. You, didn't you do that tour or something? Yeah. So I went. I went like I feel like I'm slightly comedy scene adjacent, and like I I would kind of have issues as well. Kind of like even being around groups of comedians at festivals or exa- you know things like that. I'd feel slightly withdrawn because I'm like they don't no, no one likes me or you know everyone's just like fucking Johnny fucking Johnny fucking lately there just pops up for a gig every once in a while like obviously I, I emceed in Silly Limits for 10 years so that was a, a, a very much a comfort thing for me because I was yeah. like I have two gigs a week in this place yeah. 10 minutes down the road and then I kind of built you know an audience in Cork like so I like I play at the Opera House every year that's a thousand seater so I have Cork a, a good strong audience in Cork but then if I go to Galway, if I go to Dublin, I feel that I just wasn't present enough in the scene all along that I was kind of, and I was booking my own tours in small little villages around Ireland before anyone else was kind of doing that thing. And I had yeah. my own little circuit that I carved out myself. I think that was, to be honest, a bit to my detriment. As, as, yeah, that's as, right. I remember you telling me, you'd, you'd, you, how many, how many uh, places did you play? The like, first year. So I was working with my dad. He was a contract cleaner. So you, you might have seen the, the cleaning <laughs> at the desk. It's quite good. Uh, he was a contract cleaner. So I was working with him at the time. I was working another job at night, kind of doing security in a kind of entertainment centre. And then I was gigging as well. And I was doing the fear on RT at the same time. Oh, that's right. The fear. But I'd lost the job with my dad because one of his main contracts flooded. Massive flooding. So he lost a giant contract for like a year and a half, two years. So I went into work one morning and he went, Ross, there's no more, I can't, you can't work anymore. And there's, I can't even pay you this week because it was like disaster, half a cork flooded. And uh, I had to go home and be like, All right, there's no more money. So I was like, right, I have to do something. I either have to go like get a job in a factory, which is what I always tried to get out of when I was doing it. Or I have to go and find my own work on, you know, so I had to carve out my own little circuit. So I think I literally started zooming in on Google Maps to find a little grey spot. Yeah. And I went, that's a village. And then I'd go over to Facebook and t- or Google and type in 
pubs and clubs in yeah, this Yeah, I place. remember you were telling me about this. That's right. And then I'd literally cold call them and be yeah. like, look, I'm on the fear. I'm on this new show on RT. What um, year was the fear? Uh, 2015, 16 and 17, oh, I think. really? I thought it was... Yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe, so, it was, maybe it was 14, 15, 16. Okay. It was uh, 2012, actually. Fuck! Well, <laughs> was, oh, yeah, it was. Sure, but, you know, 2024. Yeah, 12 years ago. Yeah, my daughter would have been four at the time. Yeah, three turning four. But like... Anyway, so... So, so, so I did 60 gigs. I did 60 to 70 gigs on my first tour. And it was bl- booking places blind and just showing up and saying, it's a guaranteed fee. If you think you can What do you mean tickets. it's a guaranteed fee? So I just said, like, it's a flat fee. I started at 300 because I was like... Oh, you pay that? What? No, I just say, like, you pay me, you oh, take all the oh, door. Oh, I see. Yeah, then it went, obviously then as I booked more places, it was like, okay, I'll go, I'll try 500 or 600 or whatever it was. And I just built up all these gigs and just literally yeah. rock up and just... I remember some of them were talking, terrible, some of them were great. Yeah, well, no, I just want to talk a bit more about that because uh, there was... And, you know, touch wood, I hope I, I continue to be able to make a living and create a little bit of wealth. A, a little a little bit of wealth. Sorry. A little bit of wealth for myself, <laughs> sir. Um, but what I'm saying is uh, I was there was a very dry financial patch for me. Mm-hmm. And you were telling me how you were doing it. And that to me, it was kind of like uh, comedic gold prospecting. Was going out into them yeah. hills and got you know cold calling, panning for, panning for, for no panning for gigs, ringing them up, and um, yeah, you know, and you went there and you went there and you went there and you worked your bollocks off. And, and a lot and, of those places I still play, like Mike the Pies in Listole, which is, I think they've won like the hot press music venue there yeah. like ten years in a row now. Yeah. But that was the first one I ever did, yeah. and I rocked up and I opened the door and I had a baby blue suit jacket with pinstripes on, and the whole place just turned around with big turnip heads and were like. And I went, oh, this isn't going to work. I went straight out mm. to the car, sat there and went, what the fuck am I doing? Mm. And then Aidan knocked on my car window and he was like, oh, Ross, come on into the back there. And then he started telling me about, oh, the crowd are great crack and they're lovely here. And he was telling me the history of how his grandfather owned the pub and everything. And it ended up being the best gig. Mm. Like it's, it is my favourite venue in the country, mm. even over the opera house or the Everyman or theatres and whatever. <coughs> Mike the Pies is like, every year I'll start my tour. My first date is always Mike the Pies and it is the fucking absolute wildest but best crowds you'll ever see it's fucking it's magic like in Listole in Listole yeah the worst gig I've ever done is in Listole but that was during the <laughs> literary festival <laughs> and you know the, the Kerry heads just like don't be thinking you can come down here and connect with us on any level you Dublin Jackine fucking cunt go ahead let's see what you've yeah, got see all the sound people remember the pies what <laughs> but, but you know like Ross's accent is more oh that's familiar. right well actually somebody's said, no, so it's so true it's yeah. so it's actually well it's true-ish but it's there's um, definitely any popularity that you or likability that you have is reduced by about 50% with this accent easy um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, but oh, listen, like, it's, instantly, it's currency. It's instantly you warm up to you. It's, no, it's but, currency but, because I think people in Dublin go, and again, it's that kind of like who's digesting what on what level, and they hear me go, "How's it going?" And they're yeah, like, yeah. "Oh, here's this thing yeah, yeah, up yeah, from the country." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got that little bit of grace time to kind of win them over. So, but I think you have to acknowledge. I, I, I realize definitely if you're going into a highly sensitive, vulnerable area like Kerry, you, you can't be going in with this accent. You, you have to kind of say, "I know." And then acknowledge that. Yeah. And then fair enough. Well, at least he knows he's a cunt. We, we, can, we can listen. We can listen to him now. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Oh no, I did a gig actually. Uh, sorry, in um, fucking uh, the INEC. Uh, the the oh the fair, club one. Yeah, 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 the club one. Yeah, great. Yeah, but yeah, it, it did great. So you know, um, but but I did acknowledge. I did open up with apologising for the D four yeah. accent. 
So that's good. Yeah. So you, you did all those clubs. Whereas other people are sitting on their fucking hands going, I can't get gigs. You just went out there and and did, did gigs. It's almost like but a those similar... Pe- those yeah. people ended up getting all the... Like, I, I was there like every year. I look, even still, I look and I kind of go like, I'm not doing that festival. I'm not doing that festival. I'm not doing that festival. I'm not doing this thing. I'm not doing, you know, and I do feel like I'm slightly... Uh, and it's it's part of my own doing, but it was at that time it was out of desperation and necessity. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm kind of going, oh, I'd love to be more... So I've actively yeah. this year and last year kind of went, I need to just... Even if it's not financially viable to drive up somewhere to do, I'm just I just need to inject myself back into the scene more because I know I, love I know it, what like, you mean. Uh, oh, what I love the scene, like yeah. I love being around comedians. Yeah, I love yeah. doing gigs, so I'm kind of going like I need to just be less insular and just kind of just kind yeah. of inject myself back into it a bit more. You know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know Th- those those comedy festivals. You know, there there are certain people who are in, and there's a, there's a you know I think they also ha- have representation from certain yeah you know, and if you're not if you're not in with those people. Huh? No, I, I just I just remember some comedian said and the, recently that uh, he less and less likes to hang around after the gig. He just said he coming in, does the job and yeah. get out. Who was that? It was called. It wasn't uh, Martin Angola. Uh, no, no, it was um, Irish Australian. What was his name? Jim Owen. Jim Owen. He said he used to hang around. He used to yeah. talk like yeah. now he just goes in and out. But yeah. I know what you mean, because you furrowed your own. Furrowed your own trough, trough through your own plow, plowed your own furrow, plowed uh, my own brow, plowed your own brow. That that <laughs> you, so that you do, you don't have the credibility within. You know this is this is why you're not maybe getting booked because you don't have the representation. Oh, that's you're, Ross. He, uh, does he does loads of other things. Does so he does, yeah, yeah. He does the radio. That's his right. main thing. Yeah. He writes for TV. Yeah. That's his main thing. He just does a gig whenever he wants a bit of extra cash. That, yeah. I think that might be kind yeah. of like you know. Oh yeah, Ross as well. It's kind of like mm. you know because I'm not. I suppose it's because yeah. I'm just not fr- like in front of people as much as I you know would like to have been. You know. So. So do you see yourself primarily as a comedian, or does that not really matter for you what you are primarily? Like I don't even say I'm a radio presenter. I right, say I'm yeah. a comedian on the radio. Okay, right. you know? Oh, and let's talk about your radio show, the, the 96? Yeah. Six. yeah. 96 FM. Yeah. Uh, we're here, the morning show with Ross. That's cool. And, uh, the <laughs> clip, mo- clip that. The morning, uh, Ross and... Lorraine. Lorraine. Yeah, Lorraine and Ross in the morning. And how long have you been doing that? Uh, so I was doing a radio show. I was doing the same slot, but for about six years. And then oh. uh, last, I think, was it last July, we mm. started the new show then. Um, so my old co-presenter left and then Lorraine was doing the evening show so then she came to the mornings and then another guy who was doing a nighttime show uh, wanted to produce our show and he's kind of like a third person so similar to the lads he's producing the show but he's also on mic and on camera all the time he's a full like he's an outstanding radio presenter in his own right so the three of us are just like it's he's almost like the fourth Beatle do you know what I mean he's he's always yeah, yeah. he's always it's in good on comparing yourself to the Beatles Ross yeah. shout, shout out Buckley <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no um, is, it, is, a, it, is it true about radio in Ireland that it's more watched than television <laughs> watched yeah. Yeah. Watch. more listened to than television for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah sorry do you to be licking the radio more than the telly <laughs> Uh, it is, it is, uh, and it's kind of, I thought, like, people, you always hear kind of like, you know, you hear people on American podcasts, and you hear people, uh, Australia and Ireland are the two most, I think, like, the, nothing has dropped off radio-wise. England's still quite big as well. Um, America, radio's just dead. Like, it's gone, you know what I mean? It, it's still around, but, like, it's not what it used to be. But Australia, like, your Kyle and Jackie O's, and uh, your Jason PJ's, who are doing a capital, I think, and then you've got, you know, Irish radio and English radio, they're probably huge I think Irish people 
they want that voice in the kitchen, voice in the car. Yes, that kind yeah, of thing, yeah. You know? I find it. I do like. Uh, I do like to have something. Yeah. Yeah. buzzing in the background yeah. is that because we're not uh, comfortable in our own thoughts 100% <laughs> I think it is I think genuinely if you're left silent yeah. you're then going how many bad decisions till I'm home no, like, no. so you need I'm someone just going it. what's your favourite type of sauce ketchup or brown sauce I know but I can't <laughs> now that's you see that's the one thing I don't I don't I, that does my head in slight I look you know so uh, we're talking about the people's favourite colour a couple of back you know people's oh, favourite you know, so me. hey I, what yeah my favorite color is brown. Yeah, Th- or, because it's it's like your surname. <laughs> we, we 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 had a rule when we first started this new breakfast show. We were saying, the day that we say, "Do you keep red sauce in the fridge or the cupboard?" Oh, yeah, yeah. Or if you say, "Do you like pineapple on pizza?" Yeah. We're fucking done. So like we don't we we tr- we try to keep everything as authentic as we can. Um, yeah. Obviously, they're more kind of like radio. Like they're they're absolute pros of what they do my job is to derail the show and their job is to keep it on the tracks and yeah. that's where the kind of that's where the kind of the, the crack and the banter and the you know having a laugh comes from but we're very honest we like if we think a song is shit in the radio we'll say like I'll go like what are we playing and that's completely yeah. but, against but, but what they, funny, you should be even doing even you just saying that right uh, it, and, and especially with Cork people because mm-hmm. they I think well people fucking love honesty and it does have uh, it, it's almost like hearing a song being sung in tune, it just puts you, oh, okay, at yeah. ease, you know. But also and my- even if you disagree with the person, but he's been fucking honest. Yeah. But that sort of, you know, um, okay, you know, da, yeah. da, da, it's it's just, it, but it's still around. It's still, it's still oh. a, a lot around. And you, and you think, has radio not fucking evolved? Yeah. It's, it's, it's and then there's, then there's the other type of people that are the people that don't have either, either, I don't know what it is. Maybe they feel constricted by like the type of show that they're doing or they don't feel like they can take the risks or maybe they're maybe they're doing it on their own. So they are like a lot of the old school jocks would have talked on their own. So it's basically like they're talking to you at home. So they're like, you know, oh, you know, what what is it? What's everyone doing for the weekend? Let me know, blah, blah, blah. Whereas we have the three of us to just be like, oh, yeah. I'm going fucking bowling. And, you know, Lorraine's going, yeah, well, yeah. I'm going for a fucking, I'm going for a run at the weekend. And Bucks is going, I'm going to Dublin with the yeah. missus. So we have that. We don't have to put something out to the listener right, to say, right. what's your favourite type of sauce? Well, I so guess we can, I guess we can just have an argument. Like we're having mm. a chat here. And then they feel like they're actually sitting at a table next to us in a pub overhearing and that's what I think works is when people go I feel like I'm eavesdropping on three friends rather than having some fellow going hey guys you know what are you up to for the weekend some of you in your plans 083396 you know <laughs> hey we should do that uh, can, can't we do that uh, do live Insta and we could do a video call with some fucker who, who's hey what are you doing for the weekends and they just call up you're a cunt <laughs> you know what I mean Fuck you and your weekend plans, you piece of shit, you collapsed bastard. Would you fuck off and run into a wall with your mouth? No, I know, but I mean, I wouldn't say that. Um, So yeah, I think I think that's Mm. it. I think I'm in a very fortunate position Mm. that I'm almost like the antithesis to what you should be for radio. And I think that's what a lot of comedians on the radio should be is like that little kind of agent of chaos Mm. that should be there. But I think. You know, it depends on who's what support you have in the station as well. Like we've got a, a program director called Brendan and he just lets us like he's like he gives us guidance and he gives us, you know, advice and stuff like that. But he'll pull us in. And, you know, if even if something wasn't to his taste, he's like, ah, but it was fairly funny or it might not be the typical mm-hmm. radio thing to do, but he'll still give us the room to go. You're doing your show. I'm giving you enough room 
to kind of like you know fall on your sword if it doesn't work but if it does work you're off to the races Whereas it's fairly, you, it's he's fairly, not micromanaging everything we do like it's fairly cutthroat though mm. isn't it radio yeah commercial radio is very cutthroat I mean yeah. you know w- w- they don't let you they just like from one day to the next you're off the air oh, kind of thing. there's people that do their show I've heard like stories of people that do their their show and they literally walk out to the corridor and the guy's waiting in the corridor and says can you just come in a second and he's like you're done and you're not on tomorrow because they're afraid in case the guy will go on the next day and be like fucking Jerry's a cunt Michael's sleeping with fucking Mary in accounts and like they go oh I see is that where that comes from yeah yeah, the, so 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 when you're out, you're out. A lot of no. Some places will they give you a few weeks. Some places might say, "Look, you can work out to the end or whatever." But a lot of places, particularly if someone's moving from one station to the other, they don't want them to be like, "Hey guys, uh, this is my last show. You can catch me on mm. QL three P two from tomorrow mm. from nine o'clock." Oh, I see. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. everyone's very, you know, it is. It's it's very competitive. But and so you have a book, like you were talking about uh, this book. What, what is this? The statistics of listeners? Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, what the fuck? I'm, I'm the worst person to ask because, I I, again, I'm not a radio. But anyway, the, a, a certain, a statistics in terms of listenership comes out every three months. Uh, JNLR. That's what JNLR. Yeah. And so, but who looks at, like, I suppose radio is, oh, of course, advertisers and all that kind yeah, of thing. Adver- that's so that's the, why it's that's important. That's their tool. Like, I'm always like, I don't really care yeah. whether it's up or down. Plus, it's done by a survey. So mm. like one person who surveyed counts as yeah. a thousand people. Yeah. So you're going if you act if you ask that house or yeah. that house you're going to get two mm. different answers so it's where the surveys or the surveyors decide to go or happen to rock so it's not accurate it's not like they can go we know how many radios are turned on and what's listening to what it's not like the Nielsen ratings in America you know? and and can people communicate to how do people send messages to this to the show do you get I'd say it's all WhatsApp is it all oh, right we've a, we've a text <coughs> thing we don't I don't even open the the like the mm. SMS thing because no one. It's all it's all WhatsApps and it's all voice notes as well, which is good because you're actually getting a sound of the people that are listening. Do you like our setup here, Ross? I nerded out when I came in. I was <laughs> like, "Do you like the, what what microphone? I like this is the Shure. This is Shure, yeah. That's that's a dime. Sure. No, no, that's Shure as well. No, it's not. No, no, it's a dime. Anyway, Ray Darcy, when I was on the last one laughing, he recommended this type of microphone. Okay. Anyway, I'm just, I like I just thought I'd these drop. are our headphones as well, the DT seven seventies. Yeah, DT seven seventies. Yeah. DT seven seventies sounds really good. DT seven seventies. But listen, I just want to—is your radio uh, pro really co- commercial, or is it connected uh, with uh, you know national like state broadcaster ro- kind yeah. of thing? No, it's it's commercial and it's regional as well, which means that we're in Cork and like you mm. know maybe we, you might pick us up slightly outside. Because then there's a lot of commercials cutting your show mm. is it well I mean they're selling advertising that's yeah, that yeah. is the business you know model as such as that they're kind of going yeah. if the show is popular and they get loads of listeners then we can sell ads and you know promos and competitions and stuff like that but yeah, sometimes it's really annoying isn't it yeah it's, it's too much it's, Hannah, wor- Hannah works in RT. She's a, Hannah works as a makeup artist do you put the gold on the hands for the handshakes <laughs> <laughs> very good yeah do you Hannah yeah <laughs> A uh, lot of controversy recently. Big exit payouts for mm. uh, what was her name, Brida? Brida O'Keefe. Brida O'Keefe, who's a chief financial oh, officer, officer. Yeah. who got paid four hundred and fifty thousand euro. Uh, but it was very bad because the, that job was continuing. Somebody was going to take yeah, over, yeah, so you can't in. get that amount of money. Uh, but uh, you shouldn't have. She shouldn't have been allowed. I was surprised that DG he really defended her so much. Did mm. you hear? And I was there was. Do you really, know that would have that would have uh, paid us for a season of the Savage Eye four hundred and fifty easily. Yeah, yeah, easily. You know, like sick. You know what I mean? So it, it is quite extraordinary that somebody. Yeah, and the the funny thing is, let's say I work on Fair City, so 
and sometimes you work on uh, they call it EFP so outside so there's a van when they you know editing everything and the director is supposed to look at the monitor but you know they do savings they just don't buy the moni- proper monitors they buy TV okay so there's no proper lighting the colors are not there they can't the cables don't fit so you know so they expect people to work on equipment which is not um, suitable for that's that kind paying, of work. That's because they're paying because fucking they pay 50 f- producers for one show. The amount of yeah, producers in RTE is fucking mm. ridiculous. But you know what it is? It's like RTE, right? I was just watching Lord of the R- Fellowship of the Rings. And, you know, what do they call Middle Earth? Hobbiton? Hobbiton, where all the hobbits live? The Shires. The Shires. Uh, the Shires. And it's like RTE have built like this, like a skyscraper in the Shires. Mm. They have a, this total overblown sense of the size they should be. It's like, you know, what are you paying executives kind of UK level yeah. money? You're not that, we're not that big, mate. Yeah, and also uh, it's like, and like equipment, I mean, the equipment is, it's just not up to scratch. The equipment, they expect people to work on second hand sort of um, over the date equipment, yeah. you know? Do you, want oh. to hear, do you want to hear a story about what I heard about? Okay. Yeah. So I was at a RT launch years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't remember who it was, but I overheard a conversation from somebody who was, I suppose, in charge of like, you know, commissioning or whatever it was. I'm not sure, but it was one of the, one of the suits that was there. You know, it was, it, was the, it was the people that were kind of like, you know, there on RTE's behalf kind of thing. And I heard one of them saying, I don't see comedy as, I, he said, I see comedy like the Angelus. It's a public service that we have to put on. He said, but if it was up to me, I would have like just really cheap reality shows on with just people filming their own shit and just putting it up and sending it, you know, like kind of like TV, fly on the TV, wall TV fucking three, shite. Sorry, so, so, you know? Is TV3 still around? No, uh, it's Virgin, Virgin Media. Oh yeah, it used to yeah. be TV3. But uh, yeah, he said, I see it as a public service. So like, as in, I've no passion for putting on good yeah. comedy. This was this was Poe Savage. I, he was like, I've no passion putting on good comedy. He goes, I, I see it as the Angelus. I see it like the Angelus. It's like mm. a thing that you just have to put on. Well, you like, can, well, well there you, is a fucking great. St- you, you can see how they put on the the com- comedic TV shows of that time were kind of like the the Angelus, like the quality of them. You know, what yeah, I mean? like, yeah, <laughs> shoestring budget yeah, just yeah. kind of gets up and out there, so we can tick the box and go. Well, we also do comedy. You know. Oh, I mm-hmm. see. That's the world, and and sort of it's reflected in a lot of the the output. Because yeah. I think no, that that person. I mean, again, we're talking 2012, 2013 when I yeah. was over here. That 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 person could be three people gone. Like, you yeah, know? yeah. So, but it's well, it just, yeah, the, but the I, mentality I, is still the same. But I think RT, they fail. The culture. That person mm. is still, got, he, but that person was probably uh, promoted because you fail upwards in RT. <laughs> but it, it's it's shocking. Definitely got a golden handshake. Yeah, it is shocking mm. though. The the it shouldn't be that they shouldn't be paid that amount of money. Even half is still quite a lot. Oh, it's yeah, two hundred and twenty-five thousand. It should be paid like I don't know, I don't twenty know. euro. But then you're watching people that are like we were talking again about social media and stuff. And you're talking about the, you look at the people that are making the stuff that they want to make with zero to no budget, but their own ingenuity and their own kind of like you know kind of auteur yes. sense to it. Yes. You're kind of going those people have nobody to say no, we don't like that. It's like no, no, you want to put it out, your audience will find you. That's way more so exciting, pure, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's it's, it, oh, t- it's such a revolution, and I'm so glad and I'm so thankful. Hallelujah. Um, yeah, it's a pity to hear about that that kind of uh, attitude um, because um, look, you've, I remember doing the Savage Eye and the people running the comedy department, but they had no framework of reference. They didn't know the history of televised comedy. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you'd mention a show and they'd have no idea what you're talking about. That That's a really bad sign. Like, I, I want somebody running, you know, the, the light entertainment or whatever, who has passion, who has knowledge, who gives a shit, cares, who, who you know, I'm not saying like Armando Iannucci, but somebody yeah. who knows what is required to create a great script and well, the it, amount of work that goes into it. Because, I mean, that's the cheapest part of any production is the script, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, It's just time is what you're paying yeah, for, really. Yeah. And that's even if the person's getting paid to write it. Mm -hmm. If they're not, then they're just doing it on spec. But like if you look at, same way we were talking about, you know, politics earlier on going like, you know, Okay, if you want someone who's a minister for education, you'd expect them to have had a job as a principal of a school or a teacher or something like that, not just some fucker who just worked his way up politically and yes. then became... Same way with, with, with like people that are in charge of developing comedy, commissioning comedy, you go, surely they should have either ran a production company or worked somewhere in the industry where they had feet on the ground and go I know how this works and yeah. I know the, the problems and how can I how can I help get you yeah, know yeah, new, yeah. new writers new yes. producers new directors new it? actors yes. in and then yeah. they can go that'll just help me commission better comedy yeah. like I've anyone I've interacted with in BBC fuck me do they know their stuff yeah, holy great. shit they're yeah. fucking unbelievable yeah. they're so smart they're so supportive yeah. you get notes back from them and they're just like this is fantastic this is you know I like this I would what about exploring going this way and as a writer then you're going oh I feel like they're on my side rather than I'm yeah. trying to it's hoodwink their, them yeah back. it's their area of expertise yeah. it's very refreshing um, we I did just did this you're writing for um, Young Offenders yeah and yeah. how long have you been doing that? I've been writing with Peter Foote for, jeez, eight years, I'd say, uh, on all of his projects, whether it's, you know, screenplays or TV shows, whatever. And then I've always been, I've always been kind of like writing with Peter on everything he's done. So when he was writing Young Offenders, he might have turned around to me and said, hey, can you write some voiceover for Connor? Or, hey, can you finish this scene? Or, hey, let's write this, let's write this episode together. And I'm yeah. over his shoulder and we're both kind of, you know, I'm, I'm putting in my input and stuff like that. Uh, and then, but for the new series now that's coming up, uh, Peter was like, here are your episodes. Go off and write these. And then obviously Peter comes in, you know, after I've written a draft and then he'll kind of go like, I like this and we start working on it together. And then he'll go, oh, I'd like, I like this, but we'll take the end of it this direction or whatever. So, but mm. it's a co-writing, like this year it's a full co-writing credit where like I had to, I came up with the ideas for the episodes from scratch, which was fantastic for the ones that I'd written, you know. And of course, the reason I ask you, because uh, I did a little, uh, could you call it cameo? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, that's when you do birthday requests now, isn't it? <laughs> no, no. Anyway, I did. I did. Hey, John, it. I hear you're 47. Um, you know, because of you and other people, I got uh, a part in uh, the Young Offenders. I think I was only on it for a day, but it was a very nice. It was a great, actually, lovely, lovely crew of people. The crew is the Sound. crew is absolutely bang on. Yeah, really. And it's the same crew that's been there for the last okay, three seasons. Yeah. So like everyone knows each other. Yeah. You know, there's a WhatsApp group that goes on yeah. throughout the year so that when everyone's back, then it's like it's not like they're kind of going like, oh, who are these? Now, obviously, there's always some new people yeah. and stuff, but it, it is that kind yeah. of that feeling of like, hey, everyone's back together for for the crack, you know? Good now, but it was quite a, it's about a year ago almost. That I was it? Jeez, nearly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I have no I'm, concept of time since COVID now. I'm like, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, young, I'm like, but I'm really looking forward to it. It was, it was a, oh, oh yes, uh, oh no, I can't. I won't Remember say, your NDA yeah, now. Yeah. Remember oh, your NDA. Yeah, no, but anyway, <laughs> no, actually, I'm doing the work for <laughs> it, it BBC a, guys. <laughs> it was a very fucking good scene. Oh, and it was, it was. You um, were. It, I, it kept well. I don't know about me, but I'm just saying it captured. Um, well, oh god, I don't, can't say anything. I can't say anything. Yeah, mm. but I, I thought it was great, David. No, you are fantastic on screen, Did, um, Ross. No, darling, you, darling, are wonderful, darling. You yeah, are fantastic at telling us how much water we should have a day. 
I am actually, I have had no water yet. I'm fucked. I need to, <laughs> Me too. Need to uh, catch up. Uh, uh, what, what, how long have we been broadcasting, Jack and Daniel? Uh, an hour and four minutes. It feels longer. No, that's not. That's not even. Uh, Daniel, just quick. A quick. Uh, Daniel is tired of doing um, uh, Nicholas Cage. Cage. He's not. Go on. C- uh, give us something about Nicholas Cage. Well, wait, wait, wait. B C D E F. Daniel is. A- oh look, Daniel's got his uh, beard yeah, shaved. Yeah, shaved. Yeah. Look at how young he looks. Yes. Ah, Jesus. <laughs> uh, no, I just. That's I, I feel all like. You have to do. I feel like we've been. Just at- at- attacking Nicolas Cage. Not or attacking Nicolas Cage, just keeping up fandom. Know, paying, tri- paying tribute. I, I know, I know, paying tribute, but I, I feel like maybe it's the it's run its course. You've you heard know. it here first. Uh, Daniel is having an existential crisis yes. about uh, Nicolas Cage news. I like it because it's so minuscule. It's just concentrating on one actor, and in a way, he is the it's the universal. I know, but it, if if I had a larger pool of <laughs> things to well, wait a second. <laughs> uh, to me, it sounds like you didn't even look into anything. No, I, that, d- I did. I did. Okay, I, what did you do? What did you look into? Well, he was. What's the latest? Come on, it's interesting. I want to uh, hear. Have you ever seen when Nicolas Cage showed up on Terry Wogan? Oh, that's the best. Office when he did the front flip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he did the what? He, roll, he rolls it. He's just like a cartwheel in there. Like Kung Fu. Was he, was he, do you reckon? Well, he was off. He started do you reckon? But he was only 26, but the oh. fella looked about 40. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? He looks the exact same yeah. as he does now. Like, he's proper, like, I don't know what the guy. But can what? I make a recommendation yes. for uh, Nicolas Cage? Yes. Cage, Nicolas Cage scene to watch on YouTube. It's from his movie uh, Bad Lieutenant New Orleans, which is the most unhinged uh, Nicolas Cage you'll ever see. And uh, there's a part in the movie. So he's a detective. There's a murder that took place. Young boy witnessed it. His grandmother works as a carer. He goes in there. to. So he's been looking after the kid. He left the kid in the hands of his prostitute girlfriend, played by Eva Mendes, by the way. Who is it directed by? It's directed by, I don't know. It was directed by the German guy. Yeah, uh, Herzer Vernock. Oh. Herzer Werner. Werner von Werner. 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 Herzer von Werner. Herzer Mercedes. No, Joseph Goebbels. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Now, and, and the reason we like Werner <laughs> Herzog, because he also um, narrated Grizzly Man. You know that fantastic yeah, documentary yeah. about um, Timothy Treadwell, who goes into the fucking... Uh, 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 where grizzly bears hung out, and, event- oh, I and he so, yeah. also ate, I think, the sole of his shoe. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, Werner Herzog. Yes. Or Herzog von Werner. Okay, sorry, Jack. Is, uh, I want to know about him eating the sole of his shoe. No, there was, uh, was, said, no, there was a. Gri- was it rubber or was it edible? No, he uh, said he'd eat his shoe if something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, it was just a what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> a bet, a wager. A bet, yeah. Um, but sorry uh, anyway yeah no the Bad Lieutenant fantastic film and there was a, a great scene where um, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee's music was playing they're the best harp yeah. blues players ever sorry but the scene I was talking about so the kids escaped uh, he can't find the kid and he's gone back to the care home so he's so the so the care is there the old lady but she's looking after this woman with the with the tubes up her nose and the door opens and you just see Nicolas Cage <laughs> shaving, dry shaving with an electric shaver in the door. And he starts like, gets his gun out. He's like, where's the boy? Where's the boy? And he ends up taking her uh, her, tubes. her tubes out. And, she, and he's like, if you don't tell me, I'm not going to put it back in. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot you. And then uh, the carer eventually goes, 
uh, Mrs. Whatever took him to England to his to her family, and he's like, oh, okay, sorry. So he puts the tubes back in. He's like, go on, go on, breathe that, breathe that, breathe, breathe that good shit. And then he turns around, and he's on like four days no sleep. And then he turns back around. He's like, you know what? I should kill you. I should kill you right now. Fucking sucking up your kids' inheritance of your breathing tube. And <laughs> but it's just the maddest movie. Anyway, watch that. He scene. he chews scenery. <laughs> what? He chews scenery. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, so uh, Daniel, Jack um, assisting his brother. Yes. Uh, well, I, I actually thought um, your book that you're writing, the the story of the deviant, the, what's it Diary called? of a Vagrant. Diary, yeah. Oh, sorry. I like Vagrant. Story of a Deviant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Diary of a Deviant is <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, DD. Diary of a Vagrant. Uh, I thought it was similar, reminded me of The Fisher King. I don't know if you... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Robin oh, Williams. Oh, very good. Didn't didn't that? Yeah, yeah. Was Robin Williams that? Yes. Yeah, Robin yeah. Williams. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of the premise or well not the premise but the similar kind of circumstances circumstances yeah 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 it kicks off the same kind of same situation kind of thing yeah yeah. um do we have any conspiracy corner jack well i have uh, one of my own conspiracies that's linked to uh what we were talking about today go on um well it's about homelessness but I think, uh, you know, like um, homelessness since like the 60s, 70s, 80s has risen incredibly in Ireland and all around the world. And like theft, all these kind of stuff. Like uh, I've said it before, but my granny used to tell me that when she would go to work on Westmoreland Street, she'd leave her bike up against the wall or up against a lamppost unlocked for the weekend. She'd come back and it'd be there. Now, if you do that, you leave it two minutes, it's gone, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, a second a second yeah literally and uh what i think i mean i mean whatever it's a, it's a conspiracy what i think the government or whoever introduced uh drugs like heroin opiates like these into society because it would uh you know push people down make pe- make more social issues so that people were distracted by stuff like homelessness and things like this so that's my uh what do you think on that yeah, that's fact, I everyone. I think CIA <laughs> was working on that. No, but, <laughs> but what, what, you, what, you, what you think about that, that um, uh, uh, governments or whoever would introduce certain drugs into society as a means of control? Well, I, mean, I think it happened in US and then it trickles down to different countries. It seems very, very, very dark arts. It's it's very dark. But the CIA, they do yeah. dark arts. Mm. Well, you'll often see those things of conspiracies where they'll put uh, agents... You know, these fucking, you know, for hire fucking Merc agents or whatever in plain clothes going to all these demonstrations and rallies and fucking, you know, dressing up like Antifa people and fucking yeah. smashing up yeah. the place. And people are going, they're standard issue boots that that guy's wearing. You know, have these people that are pointing out these things going, you know, you saw this guy had a Punisher fucking hat on or whatever. And they're going, that's whatever it is, fucking Monsanto right, and right. all this kind of shit, you know. But well, yeah. there, there is a, that, that that did happen during the civil rights movement. Yeah. Uh, so, agitators. Yeah, agitators. Yeah. So, so. Um, it's funny, just the nature of, well, look, some of it is true and it's, it, yeah, it's it's really, it is, it is. A lot of this anyway, is true. By the way, I'm just saying this for an interest. In so you, are you, you saying know, that yeah. RT, <laughs> RT is trying to get everyone hooked on drugs and RT <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that no well, one knows what the hell is. How else are you going to watch the fucking thing? RT did amazing job to scare everyone and make them stay at home during, you know, okay. pandemic. What was they doing? They were just, uh, you know, doing propaganda. Wouldn't that day. be an amazing premise for a movie where that like a massive media mogul 
decides to like lock everyone away in their houses again so they all it have to digest happened. the media that they're creating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. came up with the whole thing. Copyright that shit right now. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Ross, thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me. And, Enjoyed uh, it. When, are you, you're not on a tour soon or anything? Like uh, that? I'm going to be kicking off in uh, September. I'm going to be doing the Cork Opera House in September. Um, it's like half sold out now, which is going mm. quite well. And then I'm going to be adding more dates as we go along. So and where can people follow that? Uh, uh, my Instagram uh, at only Ross Brown, and I then uh, uh, I don't even know what my fucking handle is. See, this is how fucking bad I am at social media and fucking promoting myself. That I just go, ah, you'll find me. It is called real, no, not real. I'm definitely Ross not the real Brown. one. I'm a Ross Brown official. I must have changed official. it at some stage. Ross, yeah. <laughs> somebody did make up a fake page. Uh, Ross Brown official or Ross Brown on whatever. Uh, thanks, Ross. TikTok was the, was the only Ross Brown uh, linked to the only uh, only fans. Only fans. Ah, <laughs> you can pay me monthly. If yeah. like. Any any Crazy. premium Naked content jokes. for the people at home. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, thank you, no. Ross, and uh, thank you for having me on um, the Young Offenders. That was great. not my choice. Great Glad experience. Not my choice. <laughs> Were you yourself, Ross, on Young Offenders? I always pop up every now once in a while. So they'll they'll basically like, Peter will just go, "Do you want to do a day?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And so one one year I'm a delivery driver. The next year I'm a fucking cool. fell out of bus stop. The next year I'm standing in a queue for something. So I just walk on set for a day, do a few lines, and then fuck off again. So it's handy. Um, thank you, Hannah. Annoying me a bit. And my two young princes, Jack and Daniel. Is that it? See you next week, folks. <laughs>